Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we finish up our time in the desert of a thousand tombs. Last we left off, Gluax had a prompt for us that was very tomb-heavy, and uh, again, I always recommend, this is the second part in two series, by all means, please go back and listen to that first series, because you will be very confused. But last we left off, we had the twist, and the twist was, now add dinosaurs. But before we get into that twist, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord, there's a link for that in the description. Come chat with us. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. If we've ever made you laugh, smile, or think, by all means, kick us some money. We'd really appreciate it. Now, with the shilling out of the way, it's on to the episode. We've got dinosaurs, folks. Uh, so hold on to your butts. Daniel, get us started with this one. How did you incorporate dinosaurs into our world of deserts, tombs, and pharaohs? I love dinosaurs, of course. Although, as I may have said before, my education in dinosaurs ends strictly with um, them being flesh and not having feathers. So Jurassic Park <laughs> 1. After that, I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't need to know anything more about dinosaurs. My education is complete. But that being said, um, Daniel I think, chooses ignorance in this. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. it's the correct. I think it's the correct choice <laughs> given the stupidity of reality. You so, are no, you are no different than a Christian fundamentalist right now. I hope you understand <laughs> that. Well, the difference there is that I'm consciously choosing ignorance. They don't know that they are. You don't so. know that at all, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so. Um, my thoughts are obviously I don't think we should I don't think we should have um, actual dinosaurs because I think that's dumb. Oh, really? But <laughs> what I think oh, is that, I definitely added some. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> what I think is that they should they should be in some way fundamental to the setting. So my thought was um, I think the cataclysm that occurred either is a result of these things or has something fundamentally to do with them. So when I thought dinosaurs, I thought perhaps there are these giant hulking things that have, I don't know, maybe there are dinosaurs, but they have stripped the earth of its of its resources mm. and they still mm. roam the mm-hmm. land. And in my mind, I had pictured some kind of like gas guzzling monstrous machine like dinosaur things. Um, I don't really care what they actually are, but I think what I'm interested in is like how that they're roaming the earth, continuing to strip it and whatever mm. they're doing has created these deserts. Are you suggesting some kind of a dinopocalypse? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> or, or perhaps for uh, for the old heads, maybe a dino crisis. You know, maybe something <laughs> like that. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. Like, I love the idea that uh, perhaps out of hubris, these things were introduced to an ecosystem that just could not, you know, maintain their diet, and so now they're. Mm-hmm rooting around the empty wastes, you know, in a, in a land that was perhaps once lush. 
Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what I'm picturing. And I don't know, I, I for some reason I had a vision of, you know, that stupid robot spider from the Wild West movie? With, yes, uh, with of course I do. I was like, okay, but dinosaur shaped, you know? <laughs> so you want Truckosaurus then? Yeah, like, like yeah. you know, steaming fire machines. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, you, Daniel, surely you know Truckosaurus. You grew up in Florida. You must have seen that on TV all the time. I hate Florida and refuse to acknowledge its existence. So, I you, so you're, you're just, okay, that's... That's, that's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, Cordy, what do you think about this? Since I, I interrupted your thoughts. No, no. Um, definitely interesting. Uh, I had gone the route of literal dinosaurs, but I think As it can I. still yeah. still all work. And I do like the idea of them being like some sort of invasive species. That's pretty cool. Mm. All right. So why don't you why don't you transition us over to your real ass dinosaurs? How many feathers do they have and what do they look like? God damn it. Well, I didn't. I didn't define any feathers, so we can pretend that they don't have feathers. But uh, oh, mine definitely do. So <laughs> mine was uh, just that. <laughs> Love you, Daniel. Mine was just that dinosaurs are part of why the outside world is so dangerous. That Ooh. when the apocalypse happened, whatever it was, um, these dinosaurs that had been relegated to desert climates were able to spread out and grow in population and kind of take over. Interesting. Interesting. I think that'll work pretty well with what I want to do, which is I wanted uh, certain dinosaurs to be held as uh, like an exalted pet to the pharaoh. Mm. And in this regard, uh, you know, there were several of them that were buried as what are essentially tomb guardians. And so I wanted to also introduce, I mean, we already have pharaohs, right, who are these like undead dryad monstrosities. I, w- I was like, why don't we just add some mummy dinosaurs as tomb guardians to this whole mix? <laughs> and so that's what my reconciliation with the twist is as well. I like that. That's fun. And it kind of gives them the status as like similar to cats in ancient Egypt where they exactly. were these like sacred mm-hmm. animals, but they're dinosaurs. I like the tomb guardians. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think there's a way to merge all of these because it seems like, yeah. A, we want them to be like semi, like a semi-organism. We want them to be... Um, protectors of tombs at some point and they have caused some kind of ecological collapse but i think they can all work mm-hmm. right um yeah I, I think that i think realistically what we're seeing here is courtney's dinosaurs and mine they're essentially the same thing except mine are mummified and hers yeah. are just, like those so that's mm-hmm. the same family what you have daniel you know your giant dinosaurs they are a different breed entirely, right? And and I'm okay with that because both of them are dinosaurs and you more went like behemoth slash Leviathan slash mm. terrible 90s movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm okay with that. Like, that's totally fine. I think that we can definitely have a good mix of both. I mean, I can I can go with um, the ones you guys are describing. Like, if you just make them bigger, then I, I'd be yeah. down with that, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's something about, like, the mummification process. Like, yeah. They continue to, like, grow over time or something. Oh, yeah. They're like crocodiles. Like, they don't have, yeah. like, a set size. And right. so maybe because they used to be under the service of the pharaohs, they were grown to a certain size. But now that they're unchecked, they're just, like, enormous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's also the chance of just like nuclear radiation. That's you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of some kind, and then we have ju- we just have Godzilla again. There was which, a war you know. against them, obviously, that was part of this cataclysm, and perhaps they use irradiation weapons that helped make them even larger. Is this the far future sequel to Pacific Rim? 
and the mummy. And the mummy. Oh man, oh, it's man. mummy five. Hold on, hold on, wait. <laughs> Can we have Brendan Fraser um, walking around in a giant pyramid mech? Because I Obviously. feel like. <laughs> You know, it's it's. I feel like we can do that, and I feel like that's that was the my moment. faction. Yeah. Oh, really? You've got mech pilots. Okay. Just nothing but no. Brendan Fraser clothes. Just Brand, and Brendan Max Fraser. Oh, yeah, <laughs> your faction is just Brendan Fraser. I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Oh man. Okay. Okay. I, I I see. I see it all falling together. Like I, I think if they, like you were saying, if they were like perhaps like revered pets, right of the pharaohs at some point perhaps when the world was lush mm-hmm. some something happens i don't know what happened uh maybe it had nothing to do with the dinosaurs but they were the consequence of 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 this happening and they, they were supposed to get mummified somehow they come back to life they help strip the worlds they've become radiated perhaps there was some conflict to stop them and it just made things worse i don't know i think, there, I think there's an apt metaphor in there for you know the um the dinosaurs kind of representing the pharaoh's unsustainable greed as well, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, because yeah. it's like, oh, you know, once once this thing started getting big enough and it started eating and eating and eating, the pharaoh was like, yeah, no, over. we want that, you know, we want that, and you know, it's it became unsustainable, and then um, the economy collapsed because it's completely. Un- I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I think that that totally works for what we're mm-hmm. looking with here. Yeah. yeah, they're basically like what the pharaohs would be if they weren't rooted into the ground. Oh, I love that. Oh, metaphorically, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, one question is: What is there a relationship between these creatures and what they how they function and the cre- and the creation of the way that the biomes work? Because we have the whole cycle of people being sacrificed into the biomes. Like, how do the dinosaurs factor into this? Oh, they don't. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they should be related wait. in some way. Okay, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I-, I think I have a way to square this, right? Because fr- from kind of the lore that we're establishing here, the dinosaurs are essentially tomb guardians, which means that they're buried with the pharaoh when these tombs are constructed. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just have them be part of the ritual wherein you need like a dinosaur heart in order to create a new biome along with one of those, you know, like human sacrifices as well. Like, I think adding them as like an an important part would be kind of interesting, but I'm also open to other suggestions. So, uh, Courtney, what, what do you think? That's definitely an interesting idea. Maybe it's like a sacrifice of the dinosaurs needed to create a fully new biome, but just like just the uh, family members needed to kind of strengthen existing ones. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, can, I was I can dig that. Yeah, but I was also thinking that there was um, was a facet in the original prompt that talked about like these like kind of slave class underling relatives of the pharaohs who are sacrificed. They are protected in some way from the outside world. So maybe like something links them to the dinosaurs. So the dinosaurs won't attack them when they're in the outside. Oh, I like that. Like they're left alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I question the, the dinosaur part sacrifice only because it kind of um, takes away from the people being sacrificed. And also yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And the dinosaurs are kind of like this outside thing that are scary. But I think that they should be intimately related to the biome in some way. I'm so mm-hmm. sure that is. But I like mm-hmm. the idea of the of the people being unharmed by the dinosaurs were able to interact with them without, you know, fear. So maybe then, like, the dinosaurs were at some point an integral part of the biome mm-hmm. in the past. 
And maybe, you know, like that would make sense that those slaves, uh, sacrificial people could interface with them without being killed instantly. You, know? you mm-hmm. Yeah. You had brought up in your twist description, Daniel, that like somehow the, they were like mechanical or constructed beings. What if, um, not so much mechanical, but like they have literally had part of the biome grown into them. Yeah. So like they're part like tree or part rock. Oh, I like that. Like stuff they're part out tomb. Of them. They're, yeah. They're yeah. Exactly. Mobile mausoleums, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because then it also it also works with what you guys were trying to construct them as living living organisms. So mm-hmm. or they used to be. So maybe yeah, maybe they're like you know um, grown in some way, mm-hmm. like to like the tombs are. Maybe maybe these mobile mausoleums are emissaries of the one true pharaoh that we were kind of talking about last episode. Uh-huh. You know, because they're the ones who are able to walk the deserts without, you know, being messed with. And that's because they're walking around in giant tombs that are also part dinosaur. Like, that totally makes sense to me. Maybe that pharaoh is, like, trying to tame them into his own... Uh, dinosaur army of some sort. Right. That, that's oh. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. He may be trying to reclaim them. So like, because these dinosaurs originally were tomb guardians for each of the tombs. Yeah. Now they're kind of roaming around free because everything's gone to shit because of the cataclysm. Like you're saying, maybe this pharaoh is trying to take control of them again. You know, and, and we yeah. said that the pharaoh that is doing that is the one that's the chief in our setting, right? Right. Yeah. Or he's like yeah. fully kind of awoken or like he's able mm-hmm. to move around now. That was, yeah, I think that is another part of what we were talking about, yeah. I I think that we need to move on a little bit in order to kind of figure out the rest of the ecosystem that we're dealing with here. How do y'all feel about that? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how the dinosaurs relate now, and I think we can probably tie them back in more later. Yep, that makes sense. All right, so I think where we are right now, we definitely need a little bit more context, you know, because we added dinosaurs. That's pretty cool. But I think adding context will help make those dinosaurs make sense in the great, the greater scheme of things. And I, I want to go first here because I feel like with our faction, we're, we're, we're introducing our own tombs and our own pharaohs, right? Which, very cool idea. Uh, mine is very insular, and that's mm. kind of by design. It's almost like a prison. Uh, I wanted to introduce to you my my pharaoh and my tomb now I, I was approaching this in a way that uh one there's a trope that i really love which is the hidden genius which is essentially someone who acts really dumb who acts like or, or perhaps acts as though they are you know not mentally capable but are secretly like kind of pulling the strings behind everything and I thought about that and I'm like, okay, this is the type of person who's going to have a spy network or a deep network of information. And so I wanted to make sure that the tree that I'm dealing with is kind of appropriate. So I chose the shepherd tree as the kind of representation of the Pharaoh. And I did this because it's on record as having one of the deepest root systems in all of botany, right? Uh, so it's it's a desert plant, uh, and and this is exactly the type of uh, tomb that I wanted to introduce. Is this very police state? Very like as we were kind of talking about before, there is like a group who are in power, and they are the ones who are doing quote unquote the pharaoh's will, even though 
to them, the Pharaoh is essentially like nonverbal, right? What's actually happening is that this Pharaoh has a deep system and has all this information is subtly manipulating its true uh, will among the people and among its uh, its tomb to, to make sure that it gets what it actually needs done. And uh, the other interesting thing that I wanted to add to this is it's not just one Pharaoh, but two. So there's actually twin Pharaohs that are like twisted in a shape that are like kind of wrapped together. Um, so yeah, a lot of, lot of detail, a lot of stuff going on in there, but that's what I wanted to go with. And that's where I am. So. Very cool. Though, as soon as you said, like the, the sort of idiot genius kind of trope, I immediately pictured Columbo and now I can't stop picturing (laughs) Columbo as your, as your Pharaoh. Okay. So I love Columbo. It's, it's, it's shocked to no one, but uh, I actually, when when I was thinking of twin pharaohs, I was also thinking of very young. So it's for mm. once, I would actually not like to have Columbo in this oh, particular wow. okay. trope. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was thinking like teenagers at best is when they Ooh. were entombed. Ooh, that's disturbing. Yes. Oh, so they've got a young mentality. These Are they twins? Yes, exactly right. Ooh. And that's why they were buried together. So in in, in the culture, it, that's what I'm kind of, the, the kind of lore that I'm creating is they were twins. They were very young. And for whatever reason that is perhaps lost to time, they were entombed early. And then, bam, that's how you get the twin pharaohs. But the thing is, you'd expect them to be naive children, right? And, and I think that's kind of where the, the idiot part of the idiot genius is, is mm-hmm. that they act very similar to children, but what they're, they're actually, inc- I mean, they've been around for thousands of years. They're incredibly intelligent. They're incredibly manipulative and they know exactly what the fuck's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I was even thinking that you could have like, there could be a thing where they, you don't even know that one of them is a Pharaoh. Like it could be like, one is just the talking one and the other one is just kind of there, like hidden, I don't know. There were there was like a lot of thoughts that I had going on in my mind when I was kind of creating this. But mm-hmm. for, oh, oh uh, one other thing I forgot to mention. The reason that they're so insular is because the twin pharaohs actually make sure that no one goes outside. Mm-hmm. Because t- there's this propaganda campaign that outside is like, if you open the tomb wall door, you're fucking dead. So like, this is one of the few communities that has very, very, very little communication with the outside world. And that's why I wanted to go first because again, insular community. I really like the two, the, the um, roots that you were describing with specifically mm-hmm. the tree you selected. I'm picturing like the exterior of this tomb is so enwrapped with these roots um, that it's like hard to tell that it's even a tomb. Perhaps Ooh. in the desert you encounter this thing and it's like this horrible bramble and you don't realize that's, this is just like the roots of the Pharaoh from within mm-hmm should be pretty fucked up I, I think it might be kind of interesting to do a lot more with like verticality in the tomb as well because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. if you're just following the root system in this thing i mean in the real world this thing has grown to have like 223 feet deep which for a root system is remarkably deep for roots you yeah know? that's enormous um yeah so so like if you I, I think you could play with verticality of the tomb as well i think that'd be kind of fun and it, it would also mean that to get to the actual tomb, perhaps they have to go 
far deeper, right? Like, mm. I don't know if you want to go up, but it, I mean, in terms of verticality, but like, it would mean that they're, they're really insular, like literally insular. Yeah. <laughs> like, as yes. soon as we get yeah, to them, they're yeah. beyond this, this pathway of brutes. As soon as I think about it, I think what might also be really interesting is this idea that their roots pierce the tomb itself. So it goes even further out. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that that might be really interesting in that they have ears on the outside world. So maybe they're getting information that not, oh, no cool. one else is privy to. Yeah, I like that a lot. And we had discussed last time too, like um, the idea of underground cave networks connecting some of the tombs. So maybe their roots have also spread into other biomes unknowingly. Mm -hmm. So they're also using that to spy. They could be, in a way, a sort of an allies to the protagonists. You know, like allies, perhaps in a sideways sort of way. But like, if they're if they're a means of communicating between tombs, you know, I can see the protagonists using that in some way. You know, with their their mm -hmm. particular pharaoh being central to the whole story. Right, like you leave me alone, and I'll give you what you need. That type of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, or like perhaps they have something to gain by helping the heroes. You know. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I can see that for sure. Cool. Okay. Who wants to go next? Who's, who's Pharaoh is next? Uh, I could go. <laughs> All right, Courtney, why don't you hit us with your Pharaoh? What is it? All right. Uh, so kind of trying something different this time in our last series with Clark, Ooh. Sky of a Thousand Tradewinds. We talked a bit about how difficult it can be to instill a sense of like visual excitement and discovery in RPGs. Yes. Especially yes. around exploration. So I wanted to Describe it from the point of view of like you're entering the tomb. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. So hold imagine... on, hold on. I'll give you the. All right. Thank you. Bad. Thank you. Much better. <laughs> <laughs> that was me opening the door to the tomb. Come on. I was giving you the setup. It'll sound better in editing. I'm sure. I, I, I start outside. So. Yeah. Outside looking at. Okay. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Um, Imagine you're walking through the desert wastes through sand and wind and all of that, and you seek shelter in a canyon. Unfortunately, it ends up serving as a wind tunnel, so your vision is obscured until you stumble upon a structure. From the outside, it looks like the front of a large temple carved into a cliff face, similar to um, Petra in Jordan, uh, but it's dark and adorned with statues of attractive figures that have been eroded away by the elements over time. And as you enter through the main gate into a hall of hewn stone, your eyes would have to acclimate to the darkness, which in itself is kind of a defense mechanism for this tomb. Like if attackers were to rush in from the outside, they'd be at the mercy of guards who'd been waiting unseen. And as you walk deeper in, you'd notice the air changing from the harsh dryness of the desert to more humid, more earthy. It also gets eerily quiet as the sounds from the wastes are muffled out. You can hear your footsteps echoing on stone. You can hear your breath. And walking through another gateway, you would find yourself in a vast underground cavern with patches of trees and gardens and bodies of water interspersed with buildings and torchlight. But what really catches your eye is an enormous black obelisk, which sits under essentially like a skylight in the center of the cavern ceiling. And sunlight streams down over it. And it looks like there's something wound around it, but you can't really make it out from this distance so you get closer i follow a winding path that takes you over some small bridges across streams of water the climate's very lush but not tropical kind of like um the temperate rainforests in the pacific northwest 
And from the care given by the local gardeners, you get the sense that natural beauty is very important here. Mm. But there's something grotesque and warped about the plants as you get close to the obelisk and like a weird paleness to them, even though they're in range of the sunlight. And then you're almost at the obelisk itself at the base of steps leading up to it. And you see there's what looks like an altar in front of it with a large bowl. And two thin shapes rest on the edge of that bowl, leading back to a throne that's at the base of the obelisk, like essentially a part of it. Uh, You realize that those two shapes are arms and that they lead back to a seated figure, but the figure's body is just wrong. It continues to go up and up and up, (laughs) and it winds around the obelisk like ivy or vines and even sprouts new sets of, excuse me, I'm going to drink water. Talking too much here. <laughs> yeah. Six whole sentences. I in know. God. Like, ah. Ah, can't do this. <laughs> um, so it, it actually sprouts new sets of arms every few feet. Some are clinging to the rock. Some are hanging in the air. And their fingers shift kind of like leaves in a breeze. And they like dapple the sunlight that flickers down on the ground. And you learn that this pharaoh was a beautiful woman in her time. She valued like fashion, art social pleasures and she was full of life and passion but as she aged she became terrified of what was happening to her appearance and thus became increasingly desperate to maintain her youth so of course she embraced the rejuvenating powers of the blood of her family line by bathing in it and drinking it Uh, but in undeath over hundreds of years thousands of years uh, her form twisted into this horrible centipede like vine ivy growth And while her subjects revere her life-giving powers, they're just disgusted by what she's become and fear what she might do if she ever, like, fully awakens and becomes fully aware of her state and what's happened to her. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's my pharaoh. And, like, you know, I was kind of avoiding going too deep into my tropes last episode, but I, I felt like I can't be given this, like, this bounty of sacrifice in this setting and not go into some Elizabeth mm-hmm. Bathory type stuff. Yeah, for those of you who are playing bingo at home, uh, check off Courtney mentions blood sacrifice yep. mm-hmm. in there. Uh, yep. That is absolutely checked off. <laughs> uh, and for everyone else, uh, or actually specifically for Courtney, I would once again reiterate that you should really, really read Kill Six Billion Demons. Mm, Uh, This is what you're explaining minus the centipede part is literally part of the lore. Um, So, yeah, you should read. You you should really read Kill Six Billion (laughs) Demons. Go to KillSixBillionDemons.com and start reading. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, fucking kudos snaps to you, Courtney, for writing out an entire description. Uh, So very cool. So this is like a really brutal dictatorship that is mixed with like all sorts of uh, vanity and and pride here, correct? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. I think that actually over time, the brutality has almost diminished as she's like become less capable of interacting with the outside world, but um, everybody's still terrified of what she is capable of. So wait, but by having this opportunity to interact with the outside world, that is making it far worse for her, right? Or or rather making her bloodthirsty again. Ooh, that could, yeah, that's an interesting element that I hadn't considered. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking is about to happen here. Mm, Right. Yeah. 
Nice. I did, I did like the um the suggestion that like you know when you enter into this darkness they're prepared for you, mm-hmm. which suggests mm. to me that they're like looking to do something with outsiders. Yeah, yeah. I like think it's a trap on purpose. Yeah, it could partially even be related to her vanity. Like they want to control who gets to see her in the state oh, that she's okay. in. Um, but I do like the idea that it's like a it's turned into a, a paranoia and a a searching for something coming to her. I mean, is she trying to improve her physicality, you know, and choosing specimens mm. um, to add to herself? You know, it's like they to the most beautiful can witness her, but then they become part of her. Ooh, that that's a really cool idea. Yeah, because in uh, spoilers for Kill Six Billion Demons, what happens there is that they need the blood in order because otherwise they age really rapidly and start decaying physically. Uh, But I kind of like Daniel's idea more here with what we're dealing with. Yeah, that's a cool idea. And it's agreed. It's almost like the desperation that you can sometimes see in people who like go way too far with plastic surgery, like. They should just mm. stop at some point, but they just keep going <laughs> yeah. and going and going. And well, it's an addiction. It's at right. a certain yeah. point, right? And I mean, it's a non-standard addiction, but yeah. it's definitely an addiction. Like a completely distorted view of the self. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I like that mm. that that aspect of it, like straight body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I can deal with that. That's cool. All right. What's the vibe of the city like? Is it just like hushed tones? Yeah, I was, yeah, like picturing it as being a relatively quiet place, like nobody wants to disturb her, essentially. Um, Mm. So it's become this like, yeah, very hushed, like quiet conversations being held, people kind of going about their day quietly, tending to um, the forests and the gardens and all that. Can we make, can we make the people like, remarkably focused on like the aesthetics of the garden. Like that's more important to them than pretty much anything else. Is that something that is interesting? Yeah. Like kind of like obsessive, like bonsai tenders. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Like if you were to travel in and like be probably escorted by guards, you would see people working around, but they would like not even glance at you. They would just be so focused on their work. Until, yeah, or like if, imagine if someone hears like a crack mm. of like a bonsai tree and then everyone's head turns all at once and it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you done fucked up. A twig you snaps know? and everybody's like, what the fuck did oh, you just no. do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's very um episode of Star Trek. I forget which one it is. The one where um they uh, fucking Wesley goes down on the planet and like, I don't know, falls into a bush or something. And they're like, oh, <laughs> got to kill him. You broke the rules. Now you die. Gotcha. There, okay, th- this is, I mean, this is way back, but I remember flavor text from uh, Magic the Gathering, which is one of my favorites. Like, actually, it's like, uh, it's for Llanowar elves. And um, the, the flavor text is along the lines of, for every broken twig, a broken bone for mm, if we're intruders yeah. upon their land. I'm like, that's like, that's the first time I've ever thought of an elf as cool, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think I remember seeing that flavor text too. And like, it was one of the few that stood out to me is really cool. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll fight you on that. I think most flavor text, well, not most, but a large portion of flavor text for magic. The gathering is quite awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Daniel, you need to tell us about your Pharaoh. 
Um, so I don't have a long um, flavor text for this one. It's but, fine. <laughs> which, that's fine. Which is amazing because that's our first. I think that was fantastic. Um, yes. So I, I don't think I don't think that we should pass over that as quick. Exactly. As we should, but I was very no. I was very enraptured as I wandered into that horrible tomb and then indeed was subjected to grotesquery. I agreed. I, I was expecting it, but I'm like cool. I'm yeah. Here for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah, I kept like no. having these like images in my head as I was kind of writing a summary, and I was like, "Fuck it, I should just write the whole thing." Um, I am picturing a pharaoh whose tomb was actually destroyed and so um, they have been extracted from it and um, they've built some kind of vehicle around the the pharaoh Mm -hmm. that I obviously pictured just because this is a desert I pictured some kind of worm or which I don't I don't really want to do that because I feel like dunes and worms just too tedious but some sort of vehicle that travels in the desert and um the the new biome has been structured around the sparrow at the heart of it and the people who live there those that survived um what they do to survive now is maraud and attack others who travel through the desert to gather the resources to keep their biome functioning um and so they're kind of dreaded because this tomb quote-unquote moves around since it's it's not really a tomb anymore it's a fragment of one that possesses this pharaoh it's it's been structured around basically so that's the, that's the gist of it um culturally i didn't really have anything set in right. stone mm-hmm. um because i'm open to anything but i just imagine them being uh, some kind of long structure that can go under the desert mm-hmm. in the sands i'm glad you specified long structure because i immediately pictured the giant wild wild west spider that you had mentioned before (laughs) yeah i'm picturing something worm-like rather than a massive behemoth you know okay Okay. or submarine-like but picturing the dead in the desert Mm. you know in the desert itself okay i'm still gonna picture it as the giant spider from wild Wild west (laughs) i definitely want it to be underground like it's hard to find it because it lives beneath the sands can we make it a sand squid Dude, that would be cool Hmm. like a matrixy sort of thing uh no, like more like an actual squid. Th- think more uh twenty thousand leagues under the sea and less mm-hmm. um less matrix. So I was thinking like the sentinels, which are basically squids. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. But I I was thinking more like kraken, like sand kraken. Oh, you I know, like, that. like t- tentacles, tentacles that come out and then pull yeah. some caravan down like that oh, man. in order for you to grab the resources. Like you see its cool. head surface and you're like, oh fuck, it's, it's the squid <laughs> thing, and then the tentacles come out and you're fucked. Right. That's nice. Okay. Well, what about your pharaoh? Like, what's your pharaoh like? What's the plant? Like, we we, we got to have something like that, Daniel. I have ideas for you if you need them because mm-hmm. I went through like a Rolodex first. Yeah, I guess I was. I mean, I, I don't really have anything pinned down because I was more focused in like subverting the idea of the pharaoh being fixed in a space. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine this pharaoh may, for some reason, I'm thinking merchant adjacent only because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like there was a sense of like um, expansion and improvement and bettering his people despite them being slave to him mm. and so whatever happens it destroyed his his um tomb the pharaoh and his people have sort of innovated to continue existing and they're marauding others in order to okay you know, keep themselves intact interesting okay here's here's where we're gonna go here here's my guess you were you were mentioning bramble imagery previously right yeah okay 
the brambles are massive, thick, growing tentacles. So Ew. instead of instead of biological tentacles, they're actually just like twisting roots of of brambles, and they pull things down like that. And that's the representation of the pharaoh is it is the tentacles of its own walking or swimming moving <laughs> tube. uh yeah that that's i i think that works uh i'm, I'm not sure about the imagery but I, I like what we're dealing with here i think that's pretty dope so there's like a central kind of hub or maybe the heart of this thing is but then it's it's in itself is expanded and and uh, exactly out yeah. into those tentacles and that's what moves it hmm. so it still has like remnants of its tomb of like the mm-hmm. ruins of its tomb yeah but it's kind of collected around and so like maybe that's the head and the beak and the mm-hmm. tentacles are all just mm-hmm. bramble you know like yeah. maybe yeah. ooh ooh okay 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 hold on hold on Maybe it's like a massive, um, a, a massive statue head, and oh, then out from that creeps yeah. out the, the and the, and then so the mouth like, is the is a doorway. So when right. it comes up from the from the sand, the mouth opens up, and then you see all the tentacles come up. Right, and, and so it's like you have squid imagery mixed yeah. with the like broken tomb, and then you have the tentacles. That yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. I think that's fucking dope. And it's like sanded away partially. That's scary, you know. Like the head. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, right. So it's like yeah. all like like weirdly smooth, or like mm-hmm. you can barely tell that it's a face, except yes. for like parts mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yes. yeah, hundred percent. Nice. Perfect. As an alternative, or in addition to that, you could incorporate one of the dinosaur tomb guardians somehow. Oh, like, maybe the tomb guardian dinosaurs merged with yeah, the tentacles and yeah. such. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. oh, it's it's not it's not a bramble. It's bones. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Or, or or wait, wait. It's both. brambly bones. It's brambly bones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's woven <laughs> together with the materials of, of the original tomb, but also mm-hmm. the bones. So dinosaur bones specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Because the alternative, instead of a face statue or like a, a human face statue, it's like a drag or a, a dinosaur head. Instead, I like the but, human head. Yeah, it's I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It is creepy. I agree. And if it's sanded down, it could be like, oh, is that a head or a, or a squid head? You know. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has all been super fucking fun. I love this. Yeah. Um, how do we bring everything together with a main quest line? So right away, I'm wondering why Daniel's Pharaoh, why the tomb was destroyed in the first place. And maybe that's related to like one of the first attempted conquests of this awoken pharaoh mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah and that was his way of like fleeing into the desert after the fact in his like weird squid dinosaur thing mm-hmm. um <laughs> it, it does sound a little ridiculous <laughs> no, but it's, yes it's perfectly fine <laughs> I, I like that so like well we we know there's a pharaoh awakening in the main place right mm-hmm. the very first one we designed and so he's saying he's trying to conquer other um, tombs. And so he's shattered this one. And that's the creation of this marauder, which makes me think then, because we also had um, a middle class sort of among the slaves mm-hmm. who are, yeah. were puppeting the pharaoh. And we have um, sacrificial people who are trying to align with people who have realized the middle class is bad. So like there's some protagonists there. Yeah. So I wonder if they have some, There's that this, this squid pharaoh might, be a, a boon to them in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, 
I mean, the, the squid pharaoh, as we're now calling them, uh, I think that they're inherently subversive, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, which means that in, in it, let's let's say that they're holding a grudge against this kind of new rising pharaoh that's going to mm-hmm. unite or destroy the world, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, yeah. Do the, the pharaohs, can they communicate with each other? Yes. Yeah, okay. we had established- If they choose to. Yeah, it was like- you can kind of transplant pieces of the biomes into yes. other ones to oh, communicate. Okay. Yeah. So that's been done with this main one. That's why you can talk to all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, okay. We, we have two very, uh, I would say, two very opposing forces here. Wherein you have my twin pharaohs who are very insular. They just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. You have the marauding squid pharaoh who is openly subversive, openly revolutionary. And then we have Courtney, who I think is a little bit of a wild card here, actually. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yep. Um, because Freak Pharaoh. Uh, the, I'm going to call her Centipede Pharaoh for now. Oh, it's actually a Centipede, mm-hmm. too. I, I, think, I think when I see the Centipede Pharaoh, they're definitely the wild card. Because to me, I look at them and they're like, oh, I suddenly have contact with new people. That's fresh blood. For mm-hmm. the Ivy, you yeah. know, and whether that means that you can recruit them against the new rising Pharaoh or the new Pharaoh offers like, hey, I'll just give you people. It's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I suppose that kind of puts the questions like, what is the mental state of the centipede Pharaoh like? Probably not super great. Uh, I yeah, am, I imagine, <laughs> yeah, I imagine that she would be much more likely to align with the um, this like ultra pharaoh who's conquering stuff mm-hmm. than with some like random marauding squid weirdo, and would probably be very likely to betray others to gain the favor of this like very powerful awakened mm-hmm. pharaoh. We also have to keep in mind that. Within the 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 key the, what do we call the main main pharaohs ultra well, I think we said ultra pharaoh within ultra pharaohs <laughs> um, uh, world that the, he is a villain but the real villain are the people who are puppeting him so we have to distinguish between what does ultra pharaoh want versus what is the evil middle what are we gonna call the evil middle class what do they want the ones puppeting mm-hmm. ultra pharaoh because they, they there's two interests there and so. Whatever centipede pharaoh, if she's aligning with ultra pharaoh, it may be for reasons separate than whatever the evil middle class actually wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, ultra pharaoh, and we're, I'm going to call the middle class high priests for now because Love they're- it. Okay. Much easier. It kind of works, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what the ultra pharaoh wants is ascension into genuine godhood, right? Where they are now, they're kind of like in this weird- a natural state of unlife. And so what they hope to find and what they see, so they see their own immortality, undead immortality as like the pupil phase or the larval phase. I don't really know bugs very well, but it's the, it's the transitory phase to genuine ascension into godhood. Mm. And so they've gone kind of mad with this concept that they need to metamorphosize into something greater. The high priests just want power. They probably want to scrape out the tombs of every other, you know, like Pharaoh and just use Mm -hmm. them uh, for what they are as material and and resources, right? So keep their tomb like functioning better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
And so, like, they're willing to pay homage and service, be like, yeah, yeah, you'll ascend to godhood. Yeah, we'll. But Mm -hmm. it's a convenient excuse for them to rip the pharaohs out of their tombs and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, subjugate them to the ultra pharaoh. Right. Which explains why they broke the tomb of the uh, uh, squid pharaoh. Right, it, even though the juicy bits got away, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, maybe part of it got away. Maybe, maybe they got half of him. Or something. Oh, that, that could be. Oh, cool. that's that's actually yeah. terrifying. Yeah. That's why he yeah. can be mobile now, is because he's not fully a pharaoh, really. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 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 But continue. <laughs> uh, well, no that that was pretty much it. I mean, like, I mean, I, mean, I love that they're, they're yeah, most like that for just sim- pure and simple power and expansion. Mm-hmm. But it's simple, which I think is key. Right. You know? Which I, I mean, when you have squid pharaohs and like all these other complex <laughs> things, sometimes the best way to do things right. is to keep mm-hmm. it real simple. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm thinking right now. It's 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 not world domination necessarily, like, mm-hmm. but it is regional domination. It's simple, I would say. Right? Yeah. yeah. And right. I, I think it works with just how things tend to actually function in a society. Like if you mm-hmm. have this really powerful figurehead and he's surrounded by yes men who agree with everything and encourage him to follow his ridiculous like ideas, but they're the ones who are actually like making the actual decisions mm-hmm. and, and trying to get power for themselves. Oh, they're encouraging his ascension into God. Yeah. That's certainly right. what they're, you know, because it facilitates their own ambitions. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I would imagine that they even like pushed him into that idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. where you are now, you're rooted in the earth. Don't you want to ascend into true godhood? You right. are deserving, blah, 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 blah. You know, like whatever honeyed words they need to get him up and mobile. Yeah. So as if we were to give the high priests a embodiment, it's either a single high priest or a group of them that are the real villains. You've got the other, the ultra Pharaoh. That's a, that's a major villain. Then I, the question with the protagonist, like I'm seeing someone from the slave uh, sacrifice, sacrificial mm-hmm. class and someone from the high priest class collaborating for some reason realizing the truth of the situation and having to make allies, mm. which would be interesting in that maybe they can't trust Centipede Pharaoh, right? Because she's, she does her own thing. Yeah. You know, they can't really trust Squid Pharaoh, but he seems to want what they want. So they have to like, they have to, they have to rely on each other. They can't rely mm. on forces outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to Centipede Pharaoh, um, when I look at them, they're the type of enemy who's predictable, right? Like, you, they they are incredibly dangerous and violent, but predictably so. Like mm-hmm. they're the type of folks who you can rely on them backstabbing you, and you can right, plan exactly. for the backstab. You know, yeah. like that type of thing. Yeah. So I think that there is some use. However, I think the people who would recognize that are probably the the folks in the Twin Pharaohs. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I forgot about the Twin Pharaohs. I, th- I feel like the Twin Pharaohs might be the best allies that they would have. Because although the Twin Pharaohs seem to be very um, open about what they want, and I feel like more reasonable than, say, any of the other ones. Well, perhaps to the outside world, but remember that they are incredibly isolationist and they're mm-hmm. purposefully keeping their people locked inside of the tomb, you know? Oh, right. I just yeah. mean from the perspective of, of the people outside, like if oh, they were yeah. talking to them and saying, hey, look, we don't want to fuck up your situation, but if this guy gets what he wants, everyone's fucked, you know? Right. I could, <laughs> right. I could see them, like, contacting outsiders mm-hmm. to be like, 
you take care of that. I don't want to lose my position here. I need to like maintain my power over my small, right. Like, right. my single right. area. Hmm. Which is cool. Cause then they kind of have two allies, two ish allies. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have two ish enemies because there's obviously ultra Pharaoh and there's the centipede Pharaoh who can't really be trusted. It gives them mm-hmm. some dynamism. And then of course the high priests that they're operating under, they have to be hide from them because mm-hmm. if they're found right. out. You're the next one to get sacrificed and they'll probably just kill the high high priest who's betraying their own order. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think what we've established here is a remarkably complex board game. And I I mean that, and I mean that in a complimentary sense, right? Like where you are essentially a, and and I'm going to use the, the chess metaphor here. You're essentially a pawn and or let's, let's say you're a little bit bigger than that. Right. Let's say that you're a knight. Right. And as a knight, you have to figure out your way to maneuver through these game board pieces without getting sacrificed. And I think that it's basically you're trying to play four games of chess on the same board all at the same time. And you're just trying to fucking live, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's that's kind of the way that I'm approaching it. Mm -hmm. Now, what I think might be interesting here is like, how bombastic do we want to go with this main quest line? Is this something where. We're going to fight against this fair, the the ultra pharaoh, or is this is something like? Are there smaller stakes involved? What, how, where on the scale are we interested in focusing on here? It feels incremental to me. How so? So like it, it feels like they have to take small steps, almost like I'm thinking like um, Dune and Scope in the sense that you the whole story could be about one small step towards a generational change. So like this story, we achieve one thing and that puts in place, you know, in the next generation mm. setting up the dominoes, right? So it's not like, it's not the bombastic giant quest. It's, it's, it's more intimate and small and political mm-hmm. and it's setting the stage for a larger stakes down mm. the line, which may not be part of the story. So it's a legacy board game is what you're saying. Yes. It's a legacy <laughs> board game. That's a perfect you, analogy. You know what I'm kind of imagining this to be? Okay. So remember Mad Max Fury Road? Obviously. Yeah. Ha, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. In that you had those very distinctive cultures, like this is gasoline town. This is Bulletville or whatever the fuck it was, <laughs> you know, but like they all had functions that were important and they had to work together, even though they were like vicious monsters and warlords. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I'm seeing these pharaohs right now is yeah. that, you know, and so what's the generational shift that we can expect or or that we want to see? No, I think that makes sense because it's like, you know, like even in Mad Max, right? They did have a revolution in the end, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like the world was healed, you know? Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, it was a a switching of power, you know, between leaders. Right. So what does the shift in power look like in our world? I think that is actually a really interesting thing that we can do where it's not changing the world like in Mm -hmm. an ultra mega powerful way, but it's shifting power in a significant way where things are changing. I have an image when you say that that comes to mind. I picture picture the high priest who's aligning with the sacrificial character who's lowly. Maybe it's a career to become the high priest, you know, so Mm. he he can actually influence the ultra Pharaoh and that's part of what must be achieved, you know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Another shift that I can see happening 
is the twin pharaohs stop becoming so isolated, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they see an opportunity to power grab in some way. Although I'm not sure how necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there's some way to open that clam up and like have those people exposed to the outside world for the first time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We had talked about last time about how, or the potential for the idea that like the pharaohs, if they were to be killed, that would allow for the wasteland to actually be like re-terraformed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe something happens where one of them is killed and that, that signals an immediate shift in the high priest class and the slave class learning that that's the case, Hmm. that that will happen if they were to actually kill a Pharaoh, which kind of revs up the gears towards an actual revolution. Oh, you're saying killing a Pharaoh is a doorway to renewing the earth. Yeah. And I'm, I'm especially picturing the centipede one being like the first Mm -hmm. Pharaoh that's killed in that way. Cause she's just like, crazy <laughs> it's funny you should okay so so i like the i like the idea that the end game that we're working towards is it's setting the stage for revolution it's not revolution itself mm. right yeah it's more yeah. of a display that this can happen that shedding the blood of the pharaohs can reinvigorate the world in some meaningful and powerful way right that's a really cool thing how do we get there let's work backwards from there i suppose right how do mm. we kill the centipede an alternative that would also bring the twins more to the outside world is if one of the twins is killed. I was thinking that as well. Yeah, oh, leaving yeah. the other one yeah. to mm-hmm. realize that they have to be more active in what's going on. Cause there are right, but if, if one of the twins is killed, that kind of takes away the power from the centipede pharaoh's death. Because yeah, yeah. if one of them dies, then they'll see that, oh, well, you know, that will reinvigorate the world in some way. So like, who do we want to give spotlight to, I suppose, is the question mm. here. Maybe there's a, maybe the way that we're telling the story is too traditional. Cause I mm. think this could work. Um, by, I think cause we're, we're technically suggesting wounding each of them. Cause they, if we kill the centipede Pharaoh, if we kill one of the twins and then obviously the um, squid Pharaoh has already been broken, mm. there's revelations from all. Maybe instead of it being like a story of just two characters or X number of characters in the ultra Pharaoh's tomb, these are short stories that take place in each of these tombs, showing mm, what's happening yeah. collectively to the world at the same time. It's an anthology yeah, series, yeah. but you're getting yeah. a greater perspective of the world as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So High Priest is trying to become a high priest. In in Centipede Worlds, you know, there's the revolution in um and then we tell the story of the breaking of the squid pharaoh. We tell the story of the betrayal of the twins. Like there's different stories, but yeah. they're all yeah. happening. You know? Maybe I could kind of see it as a cascading effect. Like there's news of the squid pharaoh and like maybe when he was broken or when they were broken, like something about that process kind of reinvigorated the earth around their tomb. Yeah. And then maybe one of the twins is killed and that partially reinvigorates things and pushes the other twin to reach out. And then the centipede is taken down and it kind of like Mm. goes from there. Ooh. I, okay, I can I I like that actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of the the twins and like one of them dies and like the only thing that's been keeping them so isolated is you know like their company, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that this this pharaoh is experiencing loneliness for the first time, they're like, all right, let's reach out. We can finally yeah. do it. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. I like breaking it down to such a simple emotion as like that anyone can really understand is like, well, you know, and, and of course in the writing, it's not going to come off that way. It's going to come off as some like calculated maneuver, mm-hmm. but in reality, in the quiet chambers by themselves, it's like, I was just lonely. I, I miss, you know, like the conversations that I could have with my twin, you know, that type of thing. Mm, yeah. How do, okay, so how the fuck do we kill the centipede? Is 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 that the story of overt revolution then? I could see that. Like maybe maybe the high priest class gets wind that she's trying to align with the ultra pharaoh hmm. and they realize that that's going to put them in danger because they would then become an underclass to the ultra pharaoh's high priests and in right. order to maintain their power uh, they realize that they need to get rid of her or subdue her Ooh. in some extreme way. Yeah, because the high priests there, like they recognize, like the, the or the centipede pharaoh, she's essentially like, this new pharaoh is offering me fresh blood. This new pharaoh is offering me like progress and and power. All you've offered me is stagnation mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. stasis. Right? Yeah. It's more of the same. Um, so I, I can definitely see the allure there, and then the need for a revolution there. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm recognizing we have not touched on at all and we need to bring them in. We're the fucking dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. We've had no dinosaurs in any of these (laughs) stories. So we gotta, we gotta bring them around. I feel like we can wrap up once these, once we get these dinosaurs in here, (laughs) they have to be instrumental in whatever killing. Maybe they're the way you kill the Pharaohs in some way. Or destroy the tombs. Maybe because we're talking about if we kill these pharaohs, aren't we destroying their biomes? Or it's like releasing their energy re- out yeah. into the world. You're mm-hmm. releasing it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we know the dinosaurs are themselves a form of tomb. Perhaps mm-hmm. like using them in the right way doesn't destroy a tomb. It like renews it. Mm-hmm. They can be their weapons, their monsters roaming around, but maybe they are usable as a means of restoring a tomb back to its lush state. So maybe by destroying a tomb, you're not destroying it. You're actually transforming it. Mm. I like that idea. Kind of like a a volcano going off and how it leads to a rejuvenation of the earth around it. Yeah. So maybe like when, you know, squid Pharaoh's tomb is destroyed, the people flee from it because it seems to be total destruction, but someone returns to the site and they realize it's become a lush paradise. The space that it was, you know, Mm. that's really cool. With the dinosaur bones, like growing over the dinosaur bits and so transforming, you know. Well, well, see, that implies that implies one of two things, right? Because we were assuming that Ultra Pharaoh is behind this kind of uh, squid Pharaoh's destruction, mm-hmm. half destruction, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that implies or that the high Ult- priest, right? Well, th- that implies that Ultra Pharaoh is using the dinosaurs as yes. a weapon or a tool, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's okay. he's actually do has good intentions that we don't realize, or has incidentally has good intentions. Yeah, right. I was thinking that too. His ascension may be, in fact, a restoration of mm. the world, but the high the high priests don't realize that. Maybe, yeah. Can- can we also maybe, uh, I mean, if we wanted to subvert that, we can also, if we really wanted Ultra Pharaoh to stay ultra evil, what we could do is, you know, like there is this lush paradise left in the wake of the tomb's destruction, the the squid pharaoh's partial destruction, and then the Ultra Pharaoh comes by and absorbs that. And so you literally watch as that flourishing oasis is suddenly like, crumbles into decay after they absorb the energy into themselves in some way the ultra pharaoh does i mean 
So you're suggesting he pulls it, he pulls it into him. So he's he's trapped right. in his own tomb, right? Correct. Yeah. So so maybe it's some kind of like a druidic kind of like leech mm-hmm. from the roots type situation. You oh know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe where he is becomes more lush inside their own tomb. You know, oh, like yeah. their biome becomes more lush as a result of him sapping it away, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. he controls these dinosaurs. So that's why. Right. Yeah. I mean, that works. That works. To cool. me, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. We've told a very sprawling epic fantasy here. With this one, I was not expect. I was expecting the series to be a lot more claustrophobic than it ended up being. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I guess that would have made sense with tombs and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. All right. Well, uh, anything else that we want to add before we wrap up? Mm, I guess as an alternative to like keep the ultra pharaoh from being ultra evil, like Daniel is saying, you could decide instead to have him actually be seeking the restoration of the planet like you'd suggested daniel and like Mm -hmm. his ultimate goal is to like undo the other biomes and then kind of sacrifice himself and create one great biome which is the world yeah i like that because it separates the high priest's goals from his like the elder pharaoh has been fed all these these propaganda and lies right and the high priest believe he believes it perhaps he's smarter than that yeah and That's his long-term plan. So now you have, and maybe the characters have to discover that and then find a way to help him, you know. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, that could mm. be cool. Cool. And it ties back in with the theme of like sacrifice around the setting. If everybody's just got to mm-hmm. sacrifice themselves pretty much. Yeah, that's a good point. That's your bread and butter, Courtney. Mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think Gluax made this for you. It pretty much, yeah. It feels yeah. tailor-made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, speaking of Gluax, uh, a, a huge, huge thank you for this prompt and mm-hmm. for continuing to be a patron of ours for so long. I think Gluax is the original. So big shout outs and big loves to uh, Gluax over there. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click on the link, follow the instructions. And in a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world like we did with Gluax today. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. The Discord that you want to come hang out and chat with us in is going to be in the description for you or on the website. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or just want access to our sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, you can give us money over on Patreon with the link for that in the description. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. 